Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Today, I'm here with one of my very best friends, Jimmy Kaiser. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Matt O'Neill. It's good to be here. Man, so Jimmy, you and I have known each other for a decade. I think long, uh, longer than that, I think. Um, you know, I, I've lived here for about 17 years, and the whole time I've lived here, I have been a basketball addict and played three or four times a week with a group of guys. And somehow or another in that in that arena is where we met. And I think it's more than 10 years, right? We've been playing basketball together a long time. A long time. Yeah. And, and now and you and, get better and better and I stay the same or I'm dropping off oh, a, no, man, a you're, little you're, bit. You have got so many skills. <laughs> and I, I love being on your team too. You're an awesome- I pass the ball. Awesome passer. I'll pass all, the and, ball. And you got a great shot. Hey, man. Uh, so Jimmy, you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You uh, you have you, you coach and you give strategic guidance and strategic planning to nonprofits. You've run nonprofits. Right. You're a real estate agent with our company, and you love to help people with development and with real estate. Man, like, how have you been so successful in business all this time? Oh wow, well that's that's a loaded question. Probably because I've had incredible mentors, and if I have a skill at all. It's, it's, it's this, that I act incompetent enough that great people will help me. People like you and others will help me and coach me and give me their insight. But I act competent enough that, that they'll actually trust me to do business with them. So you want to be incompetent enough that, to get help and competent enough that people will trust you. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I love that <laughs> because you're super humble, which you're super coachable. And yet you are so full of wisdom. Every time you talk, I'm like, okay, man, mental note, <laughs> let me grab a pen and paper because man, you, your wisdom is, is through the roof and, but you're very humble about it. You're not, you're not like bragging all the time about how smart you are but you're very intelligent. You know, I love to start with wins and good news. Sure. So what's up that's going great right now? Well, another thing other than my love of basketball that you know about, and you're starting to share this addiction too, is that we both have a love for surfing. And so yes. um, I, if, if I could be anywhere in the world right now, other than with my family, I have to put a little asterisk there. I love being with them, but if I'm going to do anything by myself or with a group of friends, I want to be somewhere in the world surfing. And so the good news is that my best friends in life that I've grown up with and known since I was in elementary school, we decided in the last week that we're going to plan a trip together a year from now. And those guys trusted me enough, for better or for worse, that they said, hey, Jimmy, you plan the trip. So it's been fun late in the evenings to go online and Start planning this. Where amazing. are you going? I, I, I'm not sure yet. We, we've we've talked about Nicaragua, which is one of my favorite places to surf. But we this is kind of a once in a lifetime deal. We're going to take a lot of time, so we might end up in Indonesia together. Wow, man, that is yeah. really good news. Yeah, that's great news. Yeah, because it's it's not only going on the trip, but it's all the things in preparation for the trip. That's what makes it so fun. 
Well, my good news is uh, not as grand on scale, but definitely grand in my life. Uh, last night, I got to watch my two daughters, Harper, who's eight, and Cameron, who's six, do their cheerleading showcase. Oh. They've been doing cheerleading out at Waterfront Park underneath the, the bridge. Fun. And uh, I got to see Cameron did two cartwheels in a row on her showcase, and Harper did a cartwheel that she landed into the splits, and then she did a nice. handstand. And, uh, man, it was it's just a, a joy to watch them perform. Now, did they did, – have they – because of their age, I know at some point they'll go from just being little cheerleaders or whatever to the bows in their hair will be as big or bigger than they are. That's kind of a cheerleading thing. Oh, they, they wear the they wear big bows, huge bows, big bows. It's yeah. part of the uniform, I think. Yeah, yeah. The bow keeps them balanced. <laughs> that's that's it. Probably does. So today we're talking about slaying the five giants, and yeah. you, you've told me this philosophy, and I said we have got to bring the five giants to the good mood show. So wh what is a giant and why, why do we need to slay them? And what are these five giants? So a, a giant is just a metaphor for a challenge. So if we keep saying it's a, you know, I'm facing this big problem, then we, it's a mindset shift that it's not a problem. It's more of an opportunity and challenge is just means different things to different people. So I love story and narrative. And one of my favorite narratives ever is the is the story of David and Goliath. And a lot of people are familiar with it. It just it's kind of made its way into a pop, as a pop culture reference, even in sports. You know, it's David versus Goliath or whatever. Um, but it gets its origins from a, a story in the Old Testament of the Bible from First Samuel, and um, where we have a young boy, a shepherd boy named David who faced a, Phil a Philistine uh, champion soldier, warrior, who was the giant. And uh, he was he was a physical giant, but also he, he was uh, a champion fighter and no one had ever beaten him before. So uh, the, the, the metaphor for me is really important because we're going to face challenges. And instead of just calling them problems or challenges, I, I just have coined it like those are my giants and there's and there's there's five and, and there might be there might be more but i would challenge anybody to uh to not be able to put a challenge into one of these five categories do you want to hear the five categories what are our five giants <laughs> all right so here here's how i think about it is that all of our giants these challenges that we're all going to face either big ones that happen like once in a lifetime or just the day-to-day Giants can can be fit in these five categories, and I pick five. I got to tell you this: I pick five because the the biblical narrative is that while David was going to to slay this giant, he stopped by a little stream and he picked up five smooth stones. I have I don't I don't know why he picked up five, not not six or seven or four. He just picked up five, is what we're told. And he was going to face one giant, and he and he slayed him. I'll tell you the rest of that story in a minute. But he 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 killed the giant. But he was prepared for four more. And so I've, I've taken all the things that we're going to face in our life and I put them in five categories. Number one, and then in no particular order, uh, uh, financial. Uh, we all are facing financial giants. It, it could be as simple as just trying to balance your checkbook on, with cash flow on a weekly basis, or it could be debt. It could be a tax issue. It could be a, an investment issue. It could be not enough income. It could be too much income. There's all kinds of giants that we're going to face um, financially. 
So that's number one. Yeah, and if we, it, I, I just was at Dave Ramsey's office, hmm. and I got to tour the beginnings. The, the story of Dave Ramsey's rise was all on the walls, and I, I had a tour. And Dave Ramsey is known for financial peace, right? And um, you know, we're on this biblical vein. When you walk into his office, uh, through the doors of this, you know thousands of square foot empire that he has built. It says no amount of financial abundance or success will bring you true peace. Yeah, that's... Even though he wrote Financial Peace University. Right. And it said the only true peace comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's over the doors as you walk in. And you're talking about a financial giant. And I I don't care how much financial success... anyone has. I know some extremely wealthy people. I run in some masterminds and groups of people who probably never need to work again a day in their life. And yet they still have financial giants. Sure. And it's not that, oh, you know, it's not that millions of dollars makes financial giants go away. In some ways now they need to be a a shepherd or they're worried about what happens if somebody takes it or what happens about taxes. So there's a financial giant when you're like, okay, I just need to pay my bills and survive. And that is, sure. a, that is a giant. But then there's also a financial giant, no matter what phase you're at in this financial world, because that doesn't go away, no matter what. No matter what. And, and you know, I've seen your, uh, your path, your story over the last number of years, and your business becomes every year more and more and more successful. And uh, e- every year you have a different financial giant mm-hmm. to, and, and, and different strategies. And, and that's true in my life too. I, I've... I've had I've been in, in a metaphorical lifeboat before, financially, where yeah. you're you're dumping out the change on the counter and putting it through that machine at the Harris Teeter, yep. you know, and you're going, I-, I hope I can buy Christmas presents with this this amount of change. I've been there before, and I've been to the place where I'm going, I I don't even understand how to spend this money without being overtaxed, and I, I need to get an a good CPA to help me figure this out. I mean, we're all in these different stages of life. And if you're listening to this and you think I'll never be on the other side of this challenge, uh, you're wrong. Right. You're wrong. You're going to get on the other side of this challenge and there will be another challenge. There'll be another giant. So that's, that's why people like Dave Ramsey have made an incredible living and helped millions of people because he is focused on that one particular Giant. And I am a huge Dave Ramsey fan, like massive, huge Dave Ramsey fan. He came to Charleston and he went to the North Charleston Coliseum and, and Katie and I went and saw him before we were married. And he said, pay off your credit cards, pay mm. off your cars, pay off your house. And he had all these chains wrapped around him. And every time he said, pay off a credit card, he dropped a piece of the chain. Mm. And then he said, pay off the other credit card. And he dropped another piece of the chain. And he said, pay off your car payment. And he dropped the chain. And he said, pay off another car payment. And he pay off a medical bill. And he had just one big chain around his neck. And he said, and then pay off your house. And he dropped all the chains and they hit the ground with this huge. Mm-hmm. And he said, and now you're free. Mm. And it was such a powerful visual. And I had credit cards and I had car payments and I had all this other debt. And I got, I went home and even though I had credit card payments, I grabbed the scissors like he recommended and I cut my credit cards in half so I could never use them again. Mm. And people are like, well, what about the points? You know, what, oh, your car loan, the interest is so low. Why don't you leverage that money and get more money? You know, right? right? Well, um, there's a piece that comes from not having payments. Sure. 
because the world's going to throw challenges our way, financial challenges. And once I started to pay off the smallest bill and put this intense focus in not having payments, I had more peace. And then I can go out in the world more confidently. Sure. So yeah, man, he changed my life. I've told him that multiple times. I've gotten <laughs> to meet him a few times and tell him the impact that he's made on me and, and other people. Well, and, and, and to our point, using the David and Goliath situation, he helps people every day see that finances are not an undefeatable giant. They're, they're not. You can overcome. I mean, people have had compounding interest working against them their whole lives and they're yep. in these deep holes. And then they slay that giant and it's it's a whole different mindset. Now they're going, I don't even know what to do with all this money mm-hmm. because compounding interest is either going to work against you or for you. Yeah. Investments are either going to work for you or you have none and and everything is active income rather than passive income. And so I, I, I'm not a financial advisor, but I love Dave Ramsey too. I listen to him all the time and I would um, challenge everybody that's listening if your giant today is financial in nature, you need three things. You need uh, a good CPA. You need to listen to someone and read people like Dave Ramsey. And you need people in your life who have the financial habits that you desire. Because if you hang around with people who just flippantly just throw their credit card across the bar or run into a, a car dealership and buy the shiny new thing, you'll, you'll follow them into disaster as opposed to being uh, connected with people who are on the right track financially and you guys can defeat those giants together. Yeah, and to put it simply, uh, it, it was Dave Ramsey's advice that changed my life was pay off the smallest debt first. First, yeah. And so I, my smallest debt at the time was like a $2,700 credit card. And I put all, he calls it gazelle intensity. I put all of my focus, every extra dollar I had to go pay off that credit card. As soon as that was paid off, I had an extra 400 a month that I was making payments on this credit card. And then I took that extra 400 a month and made extra payments on my car payment, which was the next smallest debt that I had and got that car payment gone. And now I had the 400 from the credit card plus the 250 from the car. I had an extra $650 a month. Yeah. Well, I made extra $650 a month payments on Katie's car until Katie's car was paid off. And then we had another 250. So that's like 900 a month, almost a thousand dollars a month more. There's a mortgage. There's a mortgage right there. Crazy. So like now all of a sudden, and I never went back. It was ever, I, Hmm. I went to that I cut the credit cards up and I've never had a credit card since. Hmm. And, um, and it, and it, that is ju- it just, I'm just putting it as simply as I can, because it is really simple the way he describes it. You take your smallest debt and pay it off and you use that extra payment to pay off the next smallest one. He calls it the debt snowball. snowball. Yeah. 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 So that's the financial giant. What's mm-hmm. the, the, the next giant you were talking about was the physical giant. Yeah. Physical giant. Um, and those are the two, I think that people think of like, you know, daily, they're thinking, okay, I, I've got a money issue. So that's my giant there. And then the other is physical. Now we we're coming out of a very challenging couple of years with COVID. So the physical giants were like, we're reminded of those all the time. And so I, I was kind of hoping we would come out of that season and everybody with more focus on eating healthier and exercising and getting better sleep and stuff like that. And of course we haven't because 
it's super hard to defeat those physical giants. The world is telling us all kinds of false information about that. I mean, it's like, oh, you feel bad, here's some medicine. And I'm not opposed to medicine, but there's also other ways of being a healthy person. And uh, we, don't, we don't hear enough about uh, nutrition. We don't hear enough about sleep. And I, I think that's one of the things I've appreciated about you is here at Meadow New Real Estate, you talk as much about being physically healthy and getting proper sleep and having good rhythms in your day as you do about real estate. Right. You know, I've heard it said before that healthy people will have a healthy business, right? Or, a, 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 you know, a healthy father will have a healthy relationship with their son or daughter. Oh, I love that. Healthy people will have a healthy business. It, mm -hmm. There's a quote that I, I say all the time. How you do one thing is how you do, do anything everything. or everything. Yeah. So if, if you we're slaying this financial giant with intensity on being healthy financially, and then we're slaying this physical giant with intention on our body being healthy, other aspects of our life, like our marriage or relationship with friends or with children also become more healthy. Yeah. And if we're unhealthy, if we allow ourselves to slip and we don't take care of ourselves, we lose our energy. If we lose our energy physically, then we don't have energy to go do great things. Right, right. It, it, it really does. Our physical giants probably need a lot more of, their, of our attention than we're giving them because if we're healthy physically, all the other giants are, are going to be easier to, to slay too. Um, for, with the example of, of sleep, you know, if, if you're obsessing about a Netflix show until two in the morning, binging, which I do too, right? I mean, it's a, it's a huge temptation. Or if you're uh, up gaming, I'm not a gamer. I don't understand video games. I don't know why anybody would ever want to play a video game. Addiction. But there are people. Addiction. It's, are, do it's dopamine. They love it, yeah. right? They it's, love it. It's, it's the same as anything. Uh, uh, video games give you hits of dopamine. Mm. You're winning. So they, they make your brain feel wonderful. Gotcha. That's why, and that's why they're addictive. But anything is gambling is ad sure. is addictive in the same way. Pornography is addictive in the same way. Food is addictive in the same way. We do all these things for hits of dopamine in our brain. Uh, that's how that's how gamers can be. I had a nephew who was addicted to gaming, and he would be up until four in the morning, and then couldn't go to school because he was so tired. Yeah. So that that physical giant, he is losing to in that can in that scenario where he can slay that giant by just as simple as going to sleep, which is pretty crazy. When you're younger, you never want to go to sleep. Like, it, you know, your kids are young, so they're probably like, daddy, let us stay up. And you're going, no, go to bed. And then when you get to be my age, mm -hmm. you're like, when can I go to bed? <laughs> like, you just can't wait. I was like, it's 7.30. Can I go to bed right now? Like, it's, oh, I have to wait till nine at a reasonable hour. And, but, you know, sleep is the first thing that I think uh, that people are neglecting right now. The second thing is, uh, people go, oh, I just can't lose weight. I mean, I, I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have I don't have enough money to eat right. And and you're buying all these protein things and 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 shakes. And you know, you could go to the store in the produce aisle and get all the nutrition you need for the day and spend pennies on the dollar. And that food will give you the energy that you need, will sharpen your mind will help you sleep well. It'll change your gut health, which over, I, I, I'm not a nutritionist. My wife actually is and has a business where she helps people with the nutrition and, and, and that type of stuff. But if, if you could just figure out how to eat healthier foods like vegetables and drinking water, 
you will shed weight, you will feel better, you'll have more energy than you never, you'll get off of medicines. That giant is not as big as you think it is. But instead we go to Chick-fil-A five times a week and don't we all love Chick-fil-A, but five times a week or you know what I mean? There's excess and we're eating things and drinking things in excess. And then we go, I can't beat that giant. Well, yes, you can. It, it's a very simple thing, but we've made, we've made the physical giants out to be so big and they're not. Yeah. And going back to how you do one thing is how you do anything. When my wife exercises, she will not eat bad that day. Mm. She's like, I didn't kick my tail. Right. Today in that workout with you, she calls uh, Thursdays torture Thursdays because we do legs on Thursdays. And then she will not eat bad. She won't eat the French fries or the chips the rest of the day because she doesn't want to negate what she the work she did. Sure. However, on a day that she didn't work out, totally okay going for uh, less healthy food. Sure. And I think that's just all of us. Right. Because when we're doing one healthy habit like exercise, then we compound that with another healthy habit like nutrition. We compound that with another healthy habit like sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And if we skip out on one healthy habit like exercise, then we're okay to eat extra ice cream sure. and extra pizza. And then we're then that food makes it so we don't sleep as well. Or we might have a few drinks that night, which makes it so that we don't sleep as well. And the next morning we wake up tired. So we have to eat, drink so much caffeine and then we go have a sub sandwich. It makes <laughs> us feel so tired. We go grab a five hour energy. This right. was me. Yeah. This was, this was my health pattern was I would drink at night, sleep bad, caffeinate all morning eat terrible at lunch, caffeinate in the afternoon, feel so tired. I would medicate with drinking at night again to get back up and hang out. So your physical giant was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger instead of smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's the little thing back to the Dave and Goliath story. David slayed the giant with one little stone. It's just one thing. You just do one thing. Hey, this week, I'm just going to go to bed at a reasonable time. That one thing would change your life. In a couple of weeks after I've mastered that, I'm just going to drink more water. Just one little thing. Just drink more water. And then a year from now, there's just dead giants all over the place and yeah. you're a healthier person. But yeah. instead we think, oh, it's got to, we got to do it right now, right here. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's usually just the first simple step. Yeah. And one healthy step. Yeah. Not, not because that giant looks so big when you, when I described who I was Mm -hmm. in my health journey. And my one thing was I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. And I started to go to the gym three times a week and I committed to that one thing. And then that healthy habit led to another healthy habit, led to another healthy habit, led to another healthy habit. And, um, and I, I love this health journey. So another giant, you said, we've got relational. And this is my favorite giant. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the relational giant. Well, I mean that, that the relational giant is in any relationship. So we have relationships at work. We have relationships at the home. We have, you know, friendships. We have relationships with people that we drive down the road with. Right. So maybe we're, we're waving hello or waving with one finger, but it's a relationship, (laughs) a short one, but there's all kinds of relationships. And, and, how we deal with those giants uh, is wildly important. I, I can think of, of all the other giants that we have, this one has the biggest ripple effect, right? So um, I, I, I'm a father, you're a father. If, if we are 
uh, angry at the house. And I'm a grump. I am a grumpy person just by nature, right? So here we are on the Good Mood Show and you've got a grump on. But I am just naturally grumpy. And so if I'm grumpy around my kids and I'm angry around them, I'm teaching them something that they're going to teach their kids and their kids are going to teach their kids. And the ripple effect is huge. Or or time. If I'm spending all my time pursuing, I mean, I have four different businesses. If I'm if I'm a workaholic, what am I teaching my kids? The ripple effect is huge. So one relationship, father, son, father, daughter, or husband, wife, or or, or we're sons, right? We have mothers and, and thankfully mine is still alive and I have a good relationship with her. But how I treat my mom, how she treats me, how I treat my father, how he treats me, how we treat coworkers, how we treat our neighbor, all that matters. And, and, I, and I, not to turn this into a Bible study, but I love that uh, Jesus said, hey, there's only two commandments that really, I mean, you can boil them all down to these two, right? Love God. And then he says, love others. Like this other thing yeah. was really important. Is It's really important how we treat other people. And so that giant, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, the divorce rate now is over 50%. Um, uh, at one point, when I moved here 17 years ago, um, and somebody's going to fact check me when they hear this, but uh, I, I might have it off a little bit. Um, so I'm not trying to exaggerate for the point, but I, I read that Mount Pleasant, was either like, it was top five of places in the United States for their suicide rate. Wow. Mount Pleasant is not so pleasant, you know, when that's happening. And I've seen friends and in, in, who have lost uh, family members and friends to suicide. And um, most of that, most of suicides can be uh, connected to a relationship or re- multiple relationships gone bad. We, we have to figure out how to deal with people. And um, that giant is a lifetime's work. Yeah. You know, but I will say this. It's really simple to know this. Um, I, I, let me do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put the spotlight on you for a second. Uh, one time in one of our trainings, and I'll remind all the listeners that when we train here at Matt O'Neill Real Estate, we're not just training about real estate. There's all these like life lessons and mindset stuff. It's, it's amazing. But um, you said when you're having a, an argument with somebody, and I think in this instance, you were talking about your wife, you can either be right or uh, what was the saying? You said you can either be right or you can uh, um, have peace, but you can't have both. You can't like, I want to be right. And then, and then there's no peace. There's no resolution. There's no happiness on the other side. And, and another a mentor of mine used to say, if you are trying to win every argument, you're trying to make the person you're talking to out to be a loser. Yeah. So you don't want to make your wife to be a loser or your children to be a loser or your coworker to be a loser. You know, you want peace more than you want to be right. Yeah. And I, that is one of my mantras. I can either be right in this moment or I can be happy, but I can't be both. Yeah. That was it. Happy. Yeah. Uh, but peace is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Peace and happiness for me are synonymous. And, uh, I check in with my heart multiple times throughout the day. And, um, I'm always asking God, I said, you know, God talk to me through my heart because that's where I feel him. And I feel the, my connection. And if my heart is open, if I'm feeling joy, if I'm feeling loving, if I'm feeling enthusiastic, I know that um, I'm in communication with God. 
And that's the place I want to serve and communicate with other people. And then when my heart starts to close, when I'm judging anyone, any judgment, I know that at that moment I'm out of communication with God and I'm out of living the way I'm supposed to be living. Now, I'm not a robot. I'm mm-hmm. human. So right. sometimes some, somebody angers me or frustrates me, and I can feel my heart start to close. I can feel judgments. I can hear judgments. And um, it's in those moments that I'm like, okay, I'm not going to speak. I'm going to go figure out what's going on with me. I'm also a person who deserves love. Right. That's right. Yeah. And so I'll go figure out what my thoughts are in that moment. I'll go journal them. I'll write down, hey, what am I believing? Because I know whatever I'm believing right now is not the truth. That's right. If it was the truth, I would feel loving. So I'm believing some type of a lie. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's the way that I approach this relationship giant. Knowing that everyone is a child of God, everyone has God inside of them, everyone is doing the best that they can. And if I'm judging someone, if I'm upset with somebody, that's okay. I'm a human being. I'm allowed to be that way. But I want to always see them as God sees them, as this wonderful, beautiful, bright being who maybe is lost in a little bit of darkness today. That's right. Yes. We have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that we want for ourselves, the grace for grace, right? Yeah. That, that the whole doing to others as you would have them do to you, right? Mm-hmm. That I mean, that makes it so simple. But again, these giants are not that complex. They, th- this giant, David and Goliath, this Goliath was wearing like tons of armor and had all these like weapons and stuff like that. And he was like this trained warrior, right? One stone. It was just one simple thing. And so the, the the little things in our relationships that we think are so big. The one simple thing for me in this one though is, am I feeling loving? That's, feeling my, loving. that's my stone. The, the, I slay the relationship giant with that one thing. Mm. Am I feeling loving with this person I'm interacting with right now? It's, it's just a yes or no question. Mm, that's good, Matt. And if it's yes, awesome. I've slayed that giant. I'm writing that one down. Okay, good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> hey, this is being recorded. <laughs> well, I, I, hey, there we go. I'll just go back and listen. I will tell you this. In my coaching business, I would say 90% of my time, I talk about the relational giant. Yeah. And because if you if you think you've got a money problem, it's tied to a relationship. If you think you got a physical problem, there's a relationship deal, deal there too. All of them are tied to relationships. But. And relationships of the five giants are the only thing that's eternal mm-hmm. because our souls are the only thing that's eternal. Money's not eternal. No. This body's not eternal. Right. But our relationships are eternal. And you had mentioned the ripple effect. The way I treat this one human being ripples to another human, ripples to a child, ripples to a, their children, ripples to their children. Yeah. The ripples of our relationships are eternal here on earth too. Sure. From sure. that ripple effect. Well, let's talk about this for a second. This will be a challenge. And tell me if we need to move on for time's sake. But I, I think because this this giant, uh, so to speak, is so important in this story, in this narrative, what you had were the Philistines on one side of a hill and the Israelites on another side. And so they wouldn't just do like battle with each other. They would just send down the one champion, right? This is our guy. He's going to fight you. Now, the Israelites were like, well, we don't even have a guy. I mean, look how big that guy is. We don't have anybody like that. And, and they did, right? Um, but they had these, all these armies just stood there and, and did nothing. They stood there and did nothing. So one of the giants that I try to face daily in my life is when there is a relationship, if there was someone in need, they just need a kind word, they need a, a, an arm around them. And one of your, 
one of your uh, principles and, and guiding um, kind of mantras is just uh, hugging people and yeah. caring for them and physical touch and, you know, putting your arm around somebody and, and just saying a word of affirmation. Then that is, that will slay a lot of giants. So, but it starts with us. We can't be, be up there on the hill watching, well, someone else is going to slay that giant. Yeah. We have to be bold and brave and uh and take that first step and say that's you a person that in need. So well, Jimmy has shown up for me as a true friend does who really cares and um said, "Hey, I'm seeing something that you might be blind to." Mm. And it, what you're what you're saying could hurt my feelings mm. if I wasn't open to your feedback, but I think a true friend says, "Hey, I'm seeing something that you might be blind to, and I'm only going to bring it to your attention because I care about you. And you show up in a loving space, not a judgmental space. I have not. I have not. And to say, hey, I'm seeing something you might be blind to, and I appreciate that so much. You told a story that uh, of a time when you had things to do, you had places to go, you had work to do, and you just noticed somebody was feeling down. And as you were walking out on your way to work, you saw that they had their head in their hands. And you kind of got in your car and you started to drive off. And three parking spaces later, you <laughs> pulled your car back over and parked and went back in and had a human to human conversation to say, what's up, man? Yeah. And, I, um, and, and you changed someone's life that day. How, how do you like prioritize putting someone else's feelings before your busy work schedule? And this, you just do it so well. And how could other people learn that from you? So um, I'm going to take it back to the, to this biblical narrative. So the Israelites, culturally, they understood things differently than we do. So the way they thought about their present and their future was tied directly to their past. So it's think, it's think about it like rowing a boat, right? So if you're rowing, you're facing backwards and you go forward by seeing where you've come. And so in my life, I have to stop and reflect and go, how did I get here? It's because I've had all these mentors. Mm-hmm. I've had kindnesses just thrown upon me and grace given to me. Me too. I mean, I've messed up so many times and people have extended grace to me and people have been bold to reach out and help me. Yeah, me too. And, and, and so we have to remember the past. And so um, like, like David was like, hey, I, I got this giant. And King Saul was like, well, how, how, you've never fought a giant. That He goes, yeah, but I, I remember my past. I remember... I remember slaying that wolf when it came to take down the sheep. So in the same way, we have to remember the things in our past, the things that where we've helped someone and how that made us feel and how that changed that other people's person's life and the way people have helped us. And then we have to be bold and apply it. David was bold. He was a little kid facing a professional warrior. We don't have enough boldness out there. Yeah, because you bringing something to my attention that I might be blind to if I'm not open to that, I could attack you. Right. So that you have to be bold and brave to serve. And when your boldness and is when your service is coming from love, you can get attacked sometimes. I, sure, I've definitely sure. I've definitely loved people that we hang out with and said, Hey, you're not seeing this blind spot and I love you and I just want to bring this to your attention. And then they have attacked me. Right. Like really come at me to like take me down to say, how dare you call me on that? Sure. And, uh, and so there is a level of boldness of loving someone in that way too. That it just the same way David was on that hill. He probably was, he probably was pretty scared. 
I'm sure. Walking yeah. down, looking at the the seven foot tall yeah. freaking warrior, and all he's got is a, a stone and a sling. Like, yeah. he probably wasn't. Like, well, so let me stop you there, Matt. Like, that's the part of the story that I've misunderstood to say, like, he only had a stone and a sling. And as you study this story and you understand that culture, that those guys, they were called slingers, right? Which, um, uh, you know, we don't use that terminology, right? Because we don't have slingshots. We have, you know, weapons that are different now. But what they would do is put the little stone in there and they would, you know, start whipping it around. It's not like a slingshot. Yeah. Like we, no, you know, I, yeah. And so, um, but uh, f- folks that study this stuff and scholars, they'll tell you that when that stone left the sling, headed for the giant's head, it left with as much velocity as if I had a 45 caliber handgun and held it at someone's hand. I mean, it was destined to destroy, right? And so our kind words and our boldness, that although they seem little, are potent, are, will change someone's life. The opposite is true with our negative words. You yeah. know, we can tear people down with one word or one look, but we can build people's lives up and, the other and way around. David could have missed. Mm-hmm. He could have. Sure. No one's perfect. I, I know he'd practiced that shot on wolves mm-hmm. and bears and trees and, and he was refined in his ability. Right. But he could have missed and the giant could have slayed him. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be brave to serve. And God would have had him either way. Yeah. Well, he, I mean he he stepped up bravely. Right. And but people were afraid to fail. And so they're like, I'm not gonna go over and say something nice to that guy. I mean he's gonna look out think I'm an idiot, you know, and we're afraid to fail. And 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 I and I get that. I'm I'm not perfect either. And I, I wanna I don't want to paint myself as this like the bravest person you've ever met. I mean, there's been many times that I've let things go undone that needed to be done and because I was fearful. But, you know, like you think of uh, Michael Jordan, right? Greatest basketball player ever. Yeah. Uh, had 947 game winning shot attempts. Uh, he missed 800 of them. Wow. He failed 800 times, but we remember the times that he su- su- succeeded. And the times that we succeed to make a personal relational connection with somebody will be what is remembered. You won't remember that time that you try to do something nice for somebody and they, you know, they just blow you off. That won't be what changes someone's life. It'll be the time that you did step up that you'll remember and they'll remember. And, and, and it'll be the, the, the game winning shots. I still think sometimes when I've stepped in to help somebody, and they bit my head off for it. I might have planted a seed. Sure, why not? That could grow years down the line. And who knows? Who knows? Who knows where it could have gone. Um, but I'm brave enough to step into the arena and have that conversation. So there's two more giants. Yeah. There's the vocational and the spiritual. Talk, talk to me about those two. Well, and they're they're really closely connected. So let's talk about the vocational as it connects to the spiritual um, we are spiritual beings. We've already talked about that. Um, C.S. Lewis says we're not a body that has a soul. We're a soul that has a body. Totally agree. And and those souls have been, in my opinion, fearfully and wonderfully designed with great intention. You know, we can either say, hey, there's this universe and it's accidental, or we can say everything's <laughs> purposeful. I believe that everything's purposeful. It, and so, it, yeah, how— 
Okay, we don't need to yeah, get that. I'm, I'm on the same wavelength <laughs> as you. There's, yeah. there's too much wonder, awe, and yeah. perfection. The like, Apostle Paul said it this way, that we are God's masterpiece. Yeah, I agree. So if we're a masterpiece, vocationally, what does that mean for us? Well, there's a million different ways that we can pursue vocation. We can, I mean, it's not just, we say job, we use that word job, mm -hmm. but job is just something you do to accomplish something. But but most of us are, are in a vocation, like we've trained and given ourselves to something. And uh, you look at David again, he vocationally was a shepherd, but he was being shaped and prepared to be a king. So he had to learn the little things so that he could be successful in the big things. And if he hadn't been bold and stepped out and slayed that giant, he would have never been become a king. And all of us are on these journeys in our vocations. And the reason it's tied to spiritual is I'll speak, you know, two men here on the microphone. Uh, men give great spiritual meaning to their vocation. You know, they think I, my identity is that I'm a, an accountant or my identity is that I'm a server in a restaurant or my identity is I'm a X, Y, Z, whatever. Uh, my identity is I'm a real estate agent. My, my identity is I'm a CEO. And, and all that is so uh, misleading because our vocation should be tied to who we are in, in relationship to others, no matter what it is. You know, the, the famous, uh, um, there's two famous Martin Luthers. Martin Luther, the, the, the German uh, priest and theologian said, if you're going to be a shoe cobbler, be the greatest shoe cobbler you can, can, can ever be to the glory of God. And then yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you, if you want to glorify God in your job, be the greatest street sweeper. Right. You know? So I, I don't know why they were so similar and with similar names, but that's just kind of how it plays out. So for me, I can live in to the glory of God, his great purpose whether I'm in real estate helping somebody with a, a transaction or uh, uh, an executive coach or consulting, helping people raise money or something like that, it, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. It's how I'm doing it and how and my attitude, am I serving them or am I, am I just trying to make a buck, right? And so vocation, and this goes all the way down to kids, like our kids have a vocation. Their vocation right now is school. You know, if they think they're just trying to get A's and B's, they got it all wrong. They're trying to learn, right? We're not just trying to make money. We're trying to impact people's lives. There's a, we, it's a mindset shift in vocation to slay the giant. So people today, if you see a big giant and you go, I hate my job, I'm miserable. It's because you've made this giant out to be about something that it's not. You know, you can slay that giant with a simple shift you exist in your vocation to help impact people's lives. And that's a spiritual thing. I, business is a spiritual game. It is. Right. My first job out of college, I couldn't, it, I wasn't able to find my dream job. Mm -hmm. I applied to be a copy machine salesman. It's not like a wonderful job, but that was like, that was the highest I was aspiring to. Sure. And I didn't get the job. My first job was to sell used toner cartridges that went inside copy machines. That's the only job I could get, literally, as a, after I graduated college with a degree 
was selling used toner cartridges. And you know what? That's what God wanted me to do. Yeah, of course. And I freaking did the best I could do at it. I studied, I learned, I like, I I leaned in as hard as I possibly could. And I didn't know that the skills from selling used toner cartridges were exactly the skills that I needed to get into real estate. Sure. Same thing. And that, that was what I was supposed to be doing. And I was supposed to show up with gratitude and I was supposed to give my all in that moment because that was where God asked me to be and who I was supposed to serve. And I served my clients really well. I I built relationships and I helped them save money on their toner supplies, which helped their business be more profitable, which then helped them serve the The world. The ripple effect, right? Yeah. And that job though, sounds pretty ugly though. Right. But do you know, culturally in the time of this, this narrative, this David Goliath narrative, the lowest job on the totem pole, the lowest rung, was that of a shepherd. Wow. So I didn't have, know that. Yes. I mean, that that was the lowest of the low. So that, and it's an amazing story that David, a young boy, was a shepherd and he was the one that changed the trajectory of the Israelites because of his skill. He knew how to take down the bird, you know, that was flying through the air and he, and he took it down. And that same skill he applied to this giant. So, when you learn how to sell, use cartridges, that's the same skill that you learn how to sell a billion dollars worth of real estate. Right. Same exact thing. Yeah. And I just showed up and leaned in and gave my all. Yeah. And that's what we need to do at each stage of no matter where we're at in this vocation or where we're at walking down the street. Sure. My first my first uh, property that I sold when I got in real estate was a single wide trailer. And um, that skill... Uh, helped me get to, I think it was like my 10th closing was like a $3 million mansion. But you helped both. It's, it's, you helped both. You help both. Yeah. And the same attitude mm-hmm. wins both ways. If if you're serving. If you're serving. If, if it's not just That's all right. self-serving. Like, oh, okay, well, what's in it for me? Sure. The commission on this single wide trailer, blah, 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 blah. It's, am I helping this family right now? That's right. And if I am, I'm doing my job. That's right. Everybody deserves the same amount of dignity and respect and your same effort. And when you're ready to move from being the shepherd in the field to the king, then that time will be there. You have to earn it by showing up and taking by showing, by up. showing up and taking care of your flock that's in front of you yeah, right, right now. Well, Jimmy, I know you had a story you wanted to end this show with, and I, I, we're going to go there. What? What, yeah, what was sure. that powerful story? Well, it's one of my favorite stories and it, and it has nothing to do with anything I really know about. I don't know anything about horses and I, I, I think it's really cool. I, I've watched horse races and stuff like that and I've ridden horses, but I don't, I, I'm not an expert on horse races, but I do love this story. Um, there was a, uh, there was a horse that won the 2009 Kentucky Derby and the name of the horse is Mind That Bird, Mind That Bird. And he was from, I think he was from New Mexico, which is not the hotbed of horse racing or anything like that. And he was owned by a guy who really didn't know anything about horse racing either. And uh, somehow or another on the regional circuit, he had done well enough to, to get an invitation to the 2009 Kentucky Derby. So he gets there and uh, all the pomp and circumstance around the Kentucky Derby, this guy, this horse was, was such a long shot. He was a 50 to one long shot. He, he, uh, uh, I say 50 to one. I think, it, let me look at my notes here. Yeah, it was 50 to one. Um, he he was such a long shot that there was no mention in him in any of the race publications. 
In fact, the day of, you know how they like parade the horses around and the commentators are saying all this and you're yeah. watching NBC and you're ready for like the big race. They didn't even mention this horse at all. Uh, the the joke was, uh, and this is true, he showed up at the race um, being pulled um, in a little, you know, um, uh, a trailer or whatever, being pulled by, uh, pulled by a pickup truck that had broken down three times on the way to the race. You know, the rest of these horses, like, I, I think some of them fly like in private jets or whatever, yeah, right. right? In these first class, like, oh, yeah. big um, mobile units or whatever. So, um, anyhow, so he shows up and they're, they're ready for the race to start. And, and they and they do the the bell and then and they're off and uh, all the horses just jump out and they're like just flying. Well, mind that bird stumbles out of the gate and he got so far behind that as the as the television camera is following the pack as they're going around the track that mind that bird wasn't even in the screen and and the announcer is like naming all the horses right and it gets to all of them. And then he says, and way, way behind <laughs> is mine, that bird. And it's like, you can hear him flipping through the paper, like just trying to remember the name of the horse. Like, what is that? You know, they're looking at the colors of the jockey or whatever. Yeah. Way, way behind is, is, uh, mind, mind that bird, mind that bird. An yeah. afterthought. Well, all the other horses are just going at full speed ahead. Right. And, and if you were betting on mind that bird, you're thinking, no way, can't make it, you know? Well, the, the jockey knew something that the rest of the people watching didn't. And he uh, took that horse on the inside rail. And I would challenge everybody to, that's watching or listening to this right now, just Google mind that bird, uh, on, you know, Kentucky Derby race and watch it on YouTube. As you're watching it, you watch the pack and then you see this horse just coming like it's got rockets on the back. I mean, it went from far, this is true, furthest behind than any horse had ever been in the Kentucky Derby to further ahead than any horse has ever won by. Holy cow. It's unbelievable. And he wins the Kentucky Derby. And the call is really funny. Like the announcer is calling like, this is who's going to win. This is going to win. And then all of a sudden he's like dumbfounded. The audio is amazing. He, the, the horse, mind that bird just you know, cause blazing ahead and it takes probably 10 seconds for the announcer to even to figure out what just happened. And there was like, and the, the finish line is, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's mine, that bird, you know, <laughs> you can't even figure out what happened. So they're at the winner circle and all the interviewers are, are interviewing everybody and they interview the jockey, a guy named Calvin Borrell, uh, a, a Cajun from new Orleans. Right. So he's got this great accent and they say, how, did you do that? And he said, I ran him like a champion. Because what he knew and no one else knew is that horse had been sired by a champion line. It was like three or four generations of champion within, it, within him. And so David in the field had no idea who he was. He thought he was just a shepherd. But something awoke in him one day and he said, my people need me. I'm going to take the skill that I think I have and I'm going to be bold with it. And I'm going to go slay this giant. And, and King Saul said, no, 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 no. You, you need more weapons. You need more armor. You need more skill. And he said, no, I, I got this. So he slays the giant for two reasons. One, because God had put in him the ability that he needed at that moment to be a champion. 
And that giant was not the giant that everybody has thought. He was clumsy, he was slow, and he was taken down with a single stone. So we have five giants. They're physical, they're financial, they're vocational, they're relational, and they're spiritual. And all of them need our attention. So, so some days we'll focus on spirituality. Some days we'll focus on our physical well-being. But we have to have the boldness that David had to tackle any of these giants. And believe that there's a champion inside of us. Yes. Because there is. That's right. Always. All We're of, not all just of us. a shepherd, you know? No, I, I believe that the Spirit of God is inside of every single person and that there's a champion in every single one of us if we'll just tap into it. Yes. And our past is preparing us for our future. We haven't failed. We've just decided, hey, these are the ways that aren't going to work, yeah. right? You know, like Thomas Edison, someone once said, oh, you're failing. You're trying to invent this whole light bulb thing. He's like, no, I just learned 10,000 ways not to do it, yeah. right? So we are learning ways not to slay the giant so that today, today's the day that we're going to slay one of those giants because of what we've learned in the past. Those aren't failures. We were failing forward for success because we're champions. Jimmy, this has been such a pleasure. If people want to learn more from you, if they want to hire you as a nonprofit coach or hire you as a real estate agent, develop land, how would they get Mm -hmm. in touch with you? Yeah, so I have a a website, jimmykaiser.net. So it's not .com. jimmykaiser.com apparently is a country music singer in Texas. And I am not a country music singer in Texas, but you can find me at jimmykaiser.net. And I, I do some executive coaching and I do some coaching and consulting with nonprofits and helping them strategic plan and fundraising. I guess the, the, the key word is development. I like developing organizations and then I do a lot of real estate development too. And I can help investors and, and folks who are looking to develop real estate here in Charleston. Well, your clients are very fortunate to work with you. Jimmy, thank you. I'm fortunate to have you on the show. Thanks, Appreciate Matt. You, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head on over to mattoneal.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.